You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. You noticed um, the last song we sang, For the Sake of the World. You guys come alive a little bit, a little bit when we sing songs about evangelism. And someone brought this to my attention. And, um, and I've noticed it, but I haven't said anything. But we started singing, For the Sake of the World. At the end of the thing, and you guys, you get into it. You become excited about it, which I feel like is confirming the season that we're moving into of praying beyond ourselves that I talked about last week. Last week, I kind of hinted at the idea that whenever we begin to pray for revival, we begin to pray for, we we begin to travail or cry out like Jim was crying out. It's other-focused. It's focused beyond what I get out of it. That we, We start believing the truth that revival has more to do with what God's going to do in and through me, through me for the city and, and capturing the hearts of the city, than it is about me and kind of a selfish posture, self-focused posture. Not that God's not going to pour out those things in us, but when we start seeing these things, there's a passion in my heart, there's a stirring in my soul to see the nations bow for all the world to know that I'm living for your glory. The prayer, the response to that desire, as you sing that, as you get into that, the response it's travail. It's a travailing prayer. And I want to, I want to define travail. You know, I was talking to my, my wife about this, and I was explaining it to her, and she's like, yeah, that just sounds like prayer. The reason that no one teaches on it is like, that's just prayer in general. And so there's an aspect of travail that that's true. <laughs> it was kind of deflating because I was excited. And, 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 you know, and I had to, you know, whatever. But anyway, I'm used to that. With a truth-telling wife, you just get the truth. And she's like, yeah, that's just prayer, Aunt Lee. You're just, you're just, the reason no one teaches on it is because that's just prayer. And so, but travailing prayer is unique. It is different. I talked about it last week. It's a birthing prayer. Jim Kuwari is basically the poster child for, for travailing prayer. That's exactly what happens. Not with all the emotion every time, but that is exactly what happens. He met someone that he didn't know. He responded to them. He moved towards them. For the sake of the world, I want this guy to know Jesus. He moved towards them in obedience. Then he walked away from him. The Holy Spirit burdened his heart with the Father's heart for him. He showed him the desire that the Father had for him to be restored. He gave him a picture of, I see him as in the same way I saw King David, I see this homeless guy. That he is my king. He is a treasure in my kingdom. He is a powerful man. And he kind of poured that out on Jim, and then Jim's response was what? He began to weep and to sob and to cry out for this person to know who he really is in Christ. Now, a lot of us, whenever we would be in that situation, we kind of would seal the deal by then feeling the need to go and pray for and communicate the word that we felt like the Lord said to us. Here's the beauty of a powerful travail is that in travail, you birth in the spirit, you birth in the spirit, life and newness and hope and restoration and healing and all those things without doing anything, without saying anything to him, without moving towards him again. And the idea of birthing travail is that God moves in the spirit, in the unseen world, in a way that we don't that we don't, we don't do anything physically, but we pray. God moves and transforms things in the spirit. Now, I want to give a, a few examples of this. And, uh, and, and what's powerful about this 
is that when we do it together in one direction, it becomes very, very powerful. Because what we realize is we stop relying on our programs, we stop relying on ourselves, we stop relying on our strengths, and we go, it's going to be through prayer and through God's power that this person's going to change, or that this part of our city's going to change, or that this is going to change. It doesn't mean that we stop doing things, but travailing prayer is a prayer that shifts things and that moves things. I was driving on my motorcycle illegally on the way to church again today. And this is the fun fact. Diane Rigby, where is she? She's about right there. Stand up just real quick. Diane Rigby, this is, this is a true statement. You're not going to believe this about her. I want you to see her. Okay, now sit down. Okay, there you go. So I tell my story about riding a motorcycle. She sends me a picture of her and John Travolta. Right? Right. And she says, I'm a certified motorcycle trainer. I trained John Travolta on how to ride motorcycles and help them get certified. I'm like, what the hell? Talk about a random fact. Then he asks her out on a date, and her response is, sorry, I'm going to the wedding of one of my Young Life kids. Can't make it. Diane, John Travolta could be teaching me on how to ride motorcycles. She would have gone on the date. But anyway, you don't have to pay for that. It's a fun fact about Diane Rigby. Anyway, and I'm driving, I'm driving to the office today, to church today, I'm a motorcycle, and I get this picture. You remember in Star Wars, I was going to ask Rossi during the break, I didn't get a chance, but remember in Star Wars when the Death Star had, they, they like had that like beam, that like, that, that, what was it called? No, not the tractor beam, that pulled people ahead. <laughs> Andy, Andy, I thought it was Ed. No, it, it's the one that destroyed the whole planet. The Death Ray. That's a great name for this ray because it killed everything. Anyway, what would happen with this death ray is all the power, all the power of this huge orb um, that was Darth Vader's, like, castle, okay? I'm using all kinds of wrong language. And they would draw all the power in to this one machine to be concentrated laser beam death ray. And this laser beam death ray would go together and then it would shoot out and it would blow up and destroy whole planets right and so princess leia's planet gets destroyed like in star wars right and they're like i don't know where my people are this is where it used to be and they're flying through the debris of this planet from the death star but what would happen is when the death star would center their inner all of their energy it was required their their they became vulnerable to attack and that's when luke skywalker flew in and he got the two two little things down there and it, and it blew up the Death Star, right? When we pray and travail together, it's like all the energy of the church comes together and then is concentrated in a specific area and the power of the Spirit moves and brings transformation. That's why it's so important, like whenever Erin came up here and she said, she said, I felt burdened to pray for people who couldn't conceive. And I was fasting that week. And we said, we're going to pray for families. And so the spirit moves on her. If I were to ask, how many of you were praying for people in that week of fasting that couldn't conceive? A number of you would probably raise your hand. And, and the reason is because that is the Lord centering our prayer as a body, as a family, 
as a, not a death star, but as a life star to concentrate God's power to bring transformation and to bring change. And, and this is what I said last week, is that if we're frustrated that we aren't having breakthrough in our life, there's a good chance we know that it's not God's desire to bring us breakthrough. There's a good chance we are not travailing and interceding and praying for the Lord to do that. If we're not seeing our church have the impact in our community that we want it to have, there's a good chance that we are not praying and travailing and praying and pouring out our prayers corporately to see those things happen. The Hebrew word of travail means to give birth, to bring forth. Birthing through prayer is good language to describe this. And in Genesis, we see the pl- first place that this is used. It says, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. And that what this means is, just real quick, without form is this Hebrew word that is called tohu. And tohu means desolation, lay waste, a desert, a worthless thing. There's chaos, there's emptiness, or it's barren and formless and lifeless. The basic concept is lifeless or sterile, okay? And so that's what the earth was like. And then God says, in, in, in Genesis 1-2, it says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay? And this word moved is, means to brood over or to watch over or to surround. And there's a lot of meaning that goes into that. I don't have time to explain. But basically, this is what's happening. In creation, we see that there is chaos. We see that there is no life. We see that there is void. There's emptiness. There's nothing good happening. There's nothing happening. God speaks, the Spirit comes, and it says it hovers over the waters, the the darkness. It hovers over creation. The Father speaks, Jesus speaks, and what begins to happen? The Spirit moves in power and breathes and brings new life, okay, as he broods over it, as he watches over. Now, when you look at this word brood over, you hear, this is the, the imagery whenever Jesus says to Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. This desire that the Father has to gather us, to brood over us, to watch over us, to fill us with his presence, to protect us with his spirit, to comfort us, is all the imagery we're seeing here in Genesis. And we see this manifested again and again through the Old Testament. We see this with Abraham and Sarah. What's happening with Abraham and Sarah? He makes a promise to them that what? They'll become a great nation, but they're sterile. They can't have kids. They're barren. It says that she's barren. So what happens? We read in Deuteronomy where Moses is reminding the Israelites of their history. He starts talking about, and then God saw him, a a, a desolate and a barren person. And God went to him. And like an eagle hovers over, and the word there is brooding over, so did God brood over them. And God made it so that they could bring life. And so the fulfillment of life in the nation of Israel spiritually was born, but physically was born all through Abraham and Sarah and God coming to them and restoring and giving life to what was barren and desolate. Does that make sense? And so we see this again and again and again as God moves the valley of dry bones. Dry bones, death, there's nothing. What happens? God, the prophecy is about God coming and bringing life to them. Life out of nothing. One of the things that makes our God different than every other God is that it says that he can create out of nothing. He can create out of nothing, that there is nothing in create. He can make something new out of it. 
Whenever we look at the language used with us as human beings, it says he, he took up clay that was lifeless and void. There was no life in it. And what did he do? He breathed life. He breathed the spirit into the dust. And it, and, it, and it came to life. It gave it life. It birthed. God birthed us into life as, a cre- as his creative uh, story of his creative representation to the world of reflecting his beauty and his nature and who he is and what he wants to do. Man, I've got no time. I'm sorry, time's over. I'm like one page in. And so this is what I'm trying to say. That through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, there's this theme of God's desire to birth in us new life. And as he births new life into us, he then, as we're filled with the Spirit, he then calls us to pray through, birth, through travail and to birth new life into the world. And this is what's so unique and special about this and what's so powerful about this is that when God created Craig Alderbert or Garrett or Noah or Laura, whenever he created each of you, he birthed something new in you, unique in you, special in you. Did I, did I say your name wrong again? I used to do that. I did that. I, I called you like some other wrong name for like a day. Anyway, they birthed a new, he brought new life into each one of you. In a different way. Zoe, the way he said and spoken to Zoe, Maureen, is very different than what he's spoken to me. And in them, he burst something new. And he said, as you live and as you grow and you become more like me, what you bring and birth into the world will be unique and beautiful and will glorify me in a way that nothing and no one else can. And so when we acknowledge, so that's the first thing. That's the first reality. Is that there's a living God inside of you that's burst something new that the world is waiting to see, waiting to come out, so that the Father is glorified. And when you do that, he is blessed. He's not only worshipped and praised, but he is blessed in a way that brings him joy. That you bring joy to the Father when you allow him to birth within you the things that reflect his nature and then bring that to the world. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's why we're called the crown of his creation. That we are the apple of his eye, because we reflect in unique ways, each one of us, his beauty to a world that is desperate for his love, that needs new life. And so every one of us does that in a unique and a powerful way. Now here's the other thing that happens, is when we do that together, we manifest the glory and the kingdom and the beauty and the power of God, unlike we can by ourselves. And so there's, in travail, there's a reality that is true to each one of us that we need to be travailing and allow God to be birthing things through us. It's why we have a worship department that's writing and singing new songs. It's creating, you know, uh, and, and I was thinking about, you know, in, um, in Psalm 40, you set my foot upon a rock, and then he says, and I will sing, I will sing a new song. David's saying, I will sing a new song that each one of us sings a new song to the Lord that pleases him. Each one of us has a different song to sing. And when we have our worshipers, for example, writing new music, producing new music that we're singing on Sundays, they're telling not only the story of what God's doing in our church, but also the story of what God's releasing in them, birthing in them. And we hear that, and we see that, and we feel that, and we're like, yes, we come along. But when we do that corporately together, it becomes crazy powerful. It becomes very, very powerful. This is an illustration that um, King, uh, uh, King Ahab was leading the nation of Israel. This is another 
thing of travail. And um, Elijah says, don't worry about King Ahab, even though you led the nation into worshiping idols, it'll be okay. I'm going to pray for you. And so he goes down and he prays. And it says that, that Elijah gets in, the, in, in a birthing position. It describes the position. He, he, he kneels. I can't get into it because my jeans are too tight. And, uh, and he gets in his birthing position. I could try, but I'd probably roll off the stage. And, um, and he puts his head between his legs, and he gets into this birthing position, and he prays. And, and he tells his messenger, hey, go look to see if there's any rain. Because the land is dry spiritually, but it's also dry physically. It's an agrarian society that needed water to survive. And, um, and so he, and, and the servant comes like, ah, there's nothing. There's no clouds. There's nothing in the sky. And so then he goes and prays again. He tells him seven different times to go back and look. And the position that he's in, he's in this birthing position, praying for God to move and bring life to the nation of Israel. And as he does this, eventually he comes out and he looks, he's like, oh, there's a cloud. There's a cloud, the shape of, I think, a hand or whatever, a far away away, and he says, oh, that's the Lord. Go tell Ahab to get on his chariot or you get caught in the rain. And, and there's this downpour. Well, this is what happens, is whenever we pray by ourselves, we can release God's power. We release God's power to change the lives of our kids, the lives of our family, the lives in our church, the lives of the people we meet on the street like Jim. Absolutely happens. When we pray together, it's like the difference between walking outside and one raindrop hitting you, and you go, man, it's raining. And you walking outside, and, you, and, you're, and there's a downpour. Is the one raindrop rain? Absolutely. Is it 100% water? Absolutely. Is it from the Lord? Absolutely. Will it bring life? Absolutely. Will our prayers individually bring life, represent the Lord, bless other people? Absolutely. But when we pray together, it's like we're causing a downpour. And when people walk into that, when people come into our church, when people, we, we go as a church, we pray as a church, we bring this downpour of God's blessing and birthing new life into our community, into our families, into our lives. And we birth in the supernatural, we birth in the spirit what we desire to see happen that the Lord's laid on our heart. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does this work. He does it in us. He calls us to corporately to do it as a church. And this is what happens. Whatever there's a downpour in South Carolina, what just happened? You, it say, it just, it, would you say it rained, it rained in South Carolina? Recently, it's been raining in South Carolina. Well, it's been raining in Florida, too. It's been raining in lots of... What happened in South Carolina? There was a downpour. And there was more rain and more rain and more rain, which caused what to happen? A flood to happen. And when the flood began to happen, what did it do? It shifted structures. It took over roads, paths that had been created. Structures that had been built were wiped away as a result of the downpour and the flooding that occurred. That is exactly what happens in the kingdom of God when we pray together. Is that the enemy has built up strongholds in our life. He's built up strongholds with our children. He's, he's created pockets of, of darkness in our city or in our government or, or, or in our families. And we, and we hope and we want things to change. And so we might try to do things. We might throw money at things. We might work hard. We might start doing this. But when we don't pray, there's no power. The Holy Spirit is the one who bursts everything in and through us. And, and, and Ephesians talks about us not being in a battle of what we see, of flesh and blood, that we are in a battle of the spirit, a spiritual battle, a spiritual battle. And when we pray, 
We bring the downpour of God's power into our lives and into our city, and it, re, it breaks through the strongholds of the enemy. It breaks through the structures in, in people's lives. It breaks through the patterns of addiction that they have. It breaks through their hard hearts. It breaks through the, the dark areas of the city that have poverty. When we, and, and, and so for many of us, and I've, hear, I've heard your stories, and, you, and we want a breakthrough from God. We want God to move in power. We want to see things change in our life or in our city or in our family. And we're working and working and working when we need to be praying and praying and praying. You know, Brooklyn Tabernacle is a church that got hold of this. And they started having a Tuesday night prayer service. And it became the most powerful thing that their church did. It transformed their city. It was amazing what God did through it. But it started out small. If I told you, hey, guys, we're doing a Tuesday night prayer service, about four of you would show up. About four of us would show up. And we can decorate that, and we can talk it up like we're busy. I got kids in soccer. I got, but what if I were to tell you, if we all showed up, the desires of your heart and the things that we've been praying for will happen because it's not because God doesn't want to pour it out. It's because we're not asking. Elijah, God is the one who brought the rain, Right? God, it was God's timing to bring the rain, but it took Elijah praying for the rain for the rain to come. So God not only, God ordains the means as well as the timing and everything else, and we are the means to release the flood of heaven into this earth, into our families, into our children. There's nothing more important that we could be doing as a church than praying. There's nothing more important that you could be doing as a parent than praying. And I can tell you time and time again, this is hard to believe, because I know, like, I've read every parenting book there is, because I am horrible with boundaries. Laura will tell you, the kids tell you, I know everything to do. But if I don't pray, there's no power in what I'm doing. And the week, I told you, the week that we were, the week that we were um, fasting, we were praying for our families, and I was talking about how our family was under attack, and we're having this conflict and all this stuff. And the other day, I just started, I just took some time. I was like, Lord, I'm just going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to pray that you move. And we had a crazy day. Some big stuff happened. At the end of the day, the Lord brought our whole family together. And we were in the living room. And we had this conversation for a couple hours about amazing things. Ama things that we had never talked about before. And everyone was contributing. Everyone was getting to talk. Everyone was being listened to, and God brought amazing healing and opportunity, and I really believe it was the result of my prayer, because nothing else had changed except for bad things that happened that day, bad, bad things that happened that day, and God moved and brought power to transform. I mean, what if, what if all the time that you spent reading, working, and trying to change the circumstances in your life, you spent praying for the circumstances to be changed? God's desire is for him to be glorified, not you. In your actions, you most often get in the way of what God wants to do. And him getting the glory. That's why he tells us to go away and pray in a closet. And every one of us has the potential and the power inside of us, filled with the Spirit, to bring life, to birth new things. We were all created to birth something new. Or he would have made us just like someone else. But he didn't. He made us unique, fearfully and wonderfully made to bring life into his creation. Let's stand. I'm going to post all my notes on this talk because I didn't get to say anything.
that I wanted to say, right, Rose? Except for the Death Star. That was the best thing. Life Star. We're like a Life Star. <laughs> Laser beam of life. People. Hear me preaching. All right, no. So, so this, is, this is what I'm thinking. Like, <clears throat> Aaron, Aaron in, in her testimony, said that, that she was burdened with her heart's desire to pray for people, to pray for people who are trying to conceive and who can't, right? That's, that's physically birthing. That is like exactly what happened to Sarah and Abraham. That's what God did when he brought life to us. But in the spirit also, we're wanting to see new life in our church. What if this week we concentrated our prayers as a congregation every day, we committed to pray for the people in our church who wanted to conceive, who are unable to, to receive life, to be able to birth and bring new life, right? And, and, and this is what happens. What we see in the physical, we believe is also happening in the supernatural, right? What we see in the natural is also happening in the supernatural. And this is what I think is happening, is God is birthing something new in our church right now. This focus on the other two pillars, you know, the, the pillar of evangelism, the pillar of ministering to the poor, moving us out into our community. So what if all of these people in our church who can't conceive begin to conceive and have babies and birth new life? would be a sign to us as a church that, yes, God is birthing new life out of RCC into our community, right? So what if we prayed that way? Every day this week, in your time with the Lord, we're going to pray that God would bring life in a physical way to people who are trying to get pregnant, okay? And, and, and we're going to pray as a church for that to happen. We're going to concentrate and travail and cry out to our Father who brings life to birth new life in those folks. Now, I'm not going to have them come forward because, like, reproductive praying is awkward. It's like asking people who struggle with porn to come forward or something. And so... If you would like to come forward for any reason, now there, I eliminated everyone. No, guy, no one's coming forward now. <laughs> but the enemy has associated the stigma if you can't get pregnant, like with being barren, and he makes us feel guilty and ashamed, and we don't talk about it. So we're not going to have folks come forward, but we're going to pray as a church for there to be life, and they're going to they're testify. Whoever, I don't know who they are. I know who some of them are. I'm trying to get pregnant. But... If you're somebody that today wants to experience God birthing something new in you, you want to experience new life, come forward. If you want him to use you to birth something new or that you've been praying for, breakthrough in, come forward and we'll pray for you. So why don't we do that now? And if you'd like prayer for physical healing, we'd love to pray for you as well. If you'd like prayer for anything, you can come forward. Our prayer ministers are going to come forward now. We're going to create space for the spirit to move. And birth into us something new.